The Splitter Soundbites podcast is brought to you by Papa John's Pizza, the presenting sponsor of the Splitter Soundbites podcast. And you know they have a special promotion for podcast listeners. If you're ordering from either the Middlesbrough or Tazewell Papa John's locations, head over to papajohns.com and enter the promo code LMUPOD1199, all lowercase LMUPOD1199, to get two medium one-topping pizzas for $11.99. Again, that's LMU Pod eleven ninety nine for two medium one topping pizzas for eleven ninety nine. That's a great deal, and it's available only for our podcast listeners from the Middlesbrough or Taswell Papa John's locations. Again, thanks to Papa John's for sponsoring the Splitter Sound Bites podcast. All right, we now welcome on graduate assistant. One of our graduate assistants are departing graduate assistants for the athletic department, Casey Van Hout. What's going on, Casey? Got nine more days left, so I'm just trying to wrap up all my reports, get some binders together, just kind of get prepped for the GA classes coming in next year. So tell me about, um, obviously we're going to get into everything that you've done at LMU, but just tell me about everything that you've kind of had to deal with this last couple of months. Obviously, I know it's been a little stressful for you and all that, you know, getting ready to go out into the world and all that. Yeah, so on top of, like, working softball games, um, our biggest project's been Lincoln Awards, um, and that's been a huge thing. I mean, we've been meeting once a week to go over all that stuff and then the actual event, so Mm -hmm. it's all the catering, the videos, getting presenters all figured out, so it's been a huge project um, on my plate, and now that it's done, I'm not really sure what to do with myself, so it's just wrapping up all of those events and things like that. Right, and honestly, I think it's there's no bigger relief and for us each year than when that Lincoln Awards is done. Mm-hmm. I think even maybe more so this year because of how much, I guess, we poured into it this year, the weekly meetings, which we had never done, and, you know, kind of just trying to continue the evolution of that award program and stuff like that. And you obviously were taking the lead on those meetings, so I know there was a lot of stress on you kind of feeling like you were the mm-hmm. uh, event manager of the whole thing, right? Yeah, it was definitely um, nice having the buy-in, you know, from our staff, but also from some of our student-athletes. You know, you <clears throat> you interviewed different people for, mm-hmm. um, like, Alicia's thing when she won the Chris Carr Award, yeah. um, all the Price Award nominations, but even just talking to, like, the, um, the SAC committee, just having them figure out who's going to be the presenters and all that stuff. It was nice getting the buy-in from the student-athletes, and um, I think my favorite part – Well, one, I mean, I think the student-athletes really loved it. You know, the video segments and Micah was, I mean, we've talked about that a million times. He's unreal. unreal. Um, So all the nominee videos were great, but I loved uh, the dessert hour this year, too. I think it took the stress out of, you know, fitting in everyone in the cafeteria. It was a nice little social hour. Um, I'm pretty sure our backdrops are still upstairs. So (laughs) There's still still stuff we we miss. Yeah, yeah. But it was fun, and I think it – I've heard it every single year, even from some of our coaches like uh, Omar and um, even Spain, who was um, a first-year – coach looking at um, Omar was like it gets better every year and Spain was like this was awesome so it's nice getting that positive feedback from everybody about it what did you think was the uh, best moment of the night I had my opinions and I'm sure they're pretty close with yours I'd say so Mm -hmm. but what what really like kind of was like this made all the work worthwhile yeah um, I think kind of two different awards so the B Frank Turner awards um, it went to some two very deserving athletes Um, it went to Evan and to Lisa and Lisa's been um, super close with our department you know she's an intern with us but she does things on top of that you know she's a roommate for one of our graduate assistants she's Lomo, on the golf team Lomo. yeah shout out Lomo or Lamo has yeah, Lamo depending on what she does yes 
Um, so yeah, she's just um, she's been a staple in the department. And we're really gonna miss her. So for me, that was really rewarding seeing all of her hard work get accomplished. Yeah. Um, so I love that award, and then I also really love the Price Award because that just encompasses everything that our department stands for. And I don't think Kyle knew that, you yeah. know, he was getting that award, so he was a little emotional when he walked up. Um, and it was nice that two of his teammates, you know, presented him with that award. Yeah. So that was good. And then besides that, I think just the buy-in from programs like women's soccer, I mean, they were vocal with all of their nominations. So it's nice seeing them, you know, get involved with some of their, their teammates. They were very involved in the night, though. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's obviously good. There's obviously going to be programs that are more involved than others. And obviously, it was a great night for women's soccer and men's golf and uh, a few other programs that probably didn't expect to win any awards. And and they got some. Actually, we have two different favorite moments, though. Now, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you. I'm on board of those because Evan and, and Lisa, are, we have great student athletes, and those are two of the best, hands down, in terms of just the people they are. And and um, you know, and what, Evan's nominee video gave me chills for the uh, the male athlete of the year when we um, watched it. Oh, unreal. Awesome. Yeah, I, you know, Micah Micah knocked pretty much every single one of those out of the park. Um, but that one, he really was kind of like what I say. I use the baseball analogy he was throwing like his best stuff his like 95 mile per hour fastball mm -hmm. and stuff and um so i thought that was good that you know evan had that moment and lisa had those you know because those are before i don't know if you're really familiar with what was here before but that was probably actually the most like the best award you could win mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of the way it was set up even more so than the male and female athlete year so that was really the one holdover from the old way we used to do it um, which we wanted to maintain that award because it was always so prestigious. So mm -hmm. that's a very big deal for Evan and Lisa. My two favorite moments were actually the standing ovations Alicia got mm -hmm. and Micah got. Yeah. I thought when Micah got that standing ovation, that was so cool. Mm -hmm. Because, think, that you know, he put he poured his heart and soul into those yeah. things. It was cool that his dad was there too, so he right. got to see all of his hard work. So definitely. And Alicia was emotional. And, um, you know, I was standing up on stage giving people the awards and like just talking to the presenter before they went up. And Alicia came down to get her script because she was presenting the B. Frank Turner Award after she had won the Chris Carr Award. And she was like, how am I supposed to do this now that I'm emotional? So I was glad that Caitlin uh, Crossy, women's lacrosse, uh, she went up there to help out. Yeah, so. yeah. Kind of be like a buffer, an emotional mm -hmm. support uh, yeah. person, I guess. The a funny story, and I actually don't know if you know this story now, so I might be telling you this now, is that she originally was not going to be able to come. Mm -hmm. Did yep. you find that out? Yeah. Um, Caitlin had called me, and she was like, did Alicia call you? And I was like, well, she, and this was Monday morning, and I was like, well, she called me Friday about something else. Like, what is it now? And she's like, she's not going to be there. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to you in a little while. Immediately hung up, texted Cam, and I was yep. like, what are we going to do? And yep. I'm pretty sure Cam, like, found her a babysitter because I think her – her husband had to work overtime or something like that, so she had to pick up the kids, and I didn't realize she lives not in Harrogate. Um, so I'm pretty sure that Cam, like, made a couple phone calls and, like, got a babysitter for her. Um, but ba it was good that she was going to be there. It was a it was a, a very important part of the program. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had to get her there, and so the program honestly wouldn't make sense. It would be weird to present that award and do that. Yeah. Uh, what did we call it? Like, the, the basically, you know, just the, that video would not make sense without her there to see it and understand right. that. Um, and but I yeah. caught her afterwards, and I was like, now you understand why we uh, wanted you to be here so bad. It was kind of important that she got that. That's an award that obviously we're really proud to give out mm -hmm. every year. Um, Absolutely. So for her to get a standing ovation, Mike had to get a standing ovation because he – that's just the kind of thing that can even encourage him even more. He's obviously very passionate about the video stuff, but then mm -hmm. to see kind of the way that people appreciate the work he does, yeah, that can really go even further than – 
you know, what we paid him to, to do it and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, I thought that was great. And his pastor was there too, actually. I didn't know if you knew that. Oh, really? His, huh. So his dad and his pastor was there. His mom couldn't make it because she uh, is a teacher. I gotcha. And obviously they have very early hours. So, uh, okay, so let's talk about, you know, what in general you think you've kind of seen your general role as here. Um, honestly, I can't really put it in a box. You know, I came in, I had originally applied for, it was a game operations role. And then in doing my interviews and talking to Cam and Andy when he was here, um, Andy, shout out Andy, shout out Andy, if you're listening, we miss you. Um, yeah, so I originally applied for a game ops role. And then just with talking with Cam and some of my interviews, I was like, I'm actually interested in like special events and fundraising and marketing and stuff like that. So, uh, he pulled some strings and, um, brought me and then the other girl that came in last year, um, and and then kind of just created this role for me so it's originally going to be game ops and then marketing events but it's really evolved into anything from you know marketing events l club um, internship and work study still game operations i even learned how to pa which i was really not excited about i was going to talk about that yeah so it's been uh, everything so i really can't put my job in a box it's just whatever comes up during the day is what i handle that's and that's what division athletics division two athletics prepares you for is you kind of have to be flexible and be able to say like hey casey can you can you do pa for us Mm -hmm. or can you uh today can you handle uh tickets or whatever you know like you have to be flexible and be adaptable i'd say that you probably came here hoping to get a variety of experiences but you never expected that you would get pa experience i assume Mm -hmm. right and then so and, and then you became last year essentially the de facto baseball PA person and then this year you were largely the softball PA person mm-hmm. do you think it's something that you really like I don't, I don't um I wouldn't say I like it but I have definitely gotten more comfortable with just public speaking in general like even at um like staff meetings or like speaking to L club members like I think the PA has helped because it's put me in an uncomfortable you know position something that I wasn't comfortable with right. or you know really un- didn't understand so I it uh it's kind of been a blessing in disguise, yeah. I think. Um, but it's been fun, and you know, it, it was a good way for me to stay involved with some of the games and be out there. Um, baseball was miserable last year with our <laughs> lack of press box setup, but softball has been a lot better this year. <laughs> I was gonna so. say that you actually went through the most uncomfortable setting you could ever go through last year with that way that baseball setup was last year. Softball was obviously miserable too, with no press boxes, but. You know, you're out there in the elements under a tent, and people can see you, which is one of the things that's always great about PA is typically nobody can see you. Yeah, and we had like 35 home games or whatever last year. Yeah, there was a lot baseball. last year. So it was a lot, and it was bad weather, and people could see you, and yeah, yeah, it was a lot. There was a lot. So that was obviously probably a um, – yeah, that was probably actually kind of a blessing in disguise, I guess, once you got done with that. Because if you could deal with that spring season last year, you can pretty much deal with – anything anything I think yeah. I believe that's that's probably true so but before you got here you've all, you've honestly had a ton of experience doing a lot of everything talk about that internship you did this summer uh yeah so I worked for the Grand Ole Opry this summer um I was their first ever ticketing intern so I helped a lot with the ticket system upgrade and some of the back end just administrative work um that went into you know rolling the old system over to the new but I also helped out with their marketing team so 
Um, we did a lot of like Grand Old Opry show promotions. So we did like a, a military appreciation day. We did a red bag tag event. Um, we worked CMA Fest. Um, you know Mason Ramsey, the sure I do. Walmart the yodeling. Yodel you know this is like one of my secret <laughs> favorite songs is the Yodeling Boy remix. That yeah, the EDM remix. Yeah. Um, so we worked his uh, artist signing um, was at the Wild Horse Saloon um, during CMA Fest. So it was honestly the best summer of my life, and I learned so much. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you love Nashville now. Yes, and I'm moving back there. So you are excited. moving back there so mm -hmm. so that's that's really exciting too so and obviously that was probably right in your wheelhouse because you're a country music I mean you like country music right I mean um, I had listened to it before I mean going to school in Alabama for four years at you kind of get exposed you, to yeah it. you get exposed to it I wouldn't say I was a country music fan but definitely yeah. after like working there and seeing how passionate people are and really just how chill like Nashville people are with celebrities and like singers I was like okay I'm a country music fan so. well because also you get like this is a thing that when you're walking down Broadway, there's like, this is where people go that want to be country music people. They mm -hmm. want to be, if they want to make it in the country music scene, they know they have to probably go to Nashville. You just walk down the road and it's everywhere down Broadway. There's live musicians playing. As far as you know, it could be the yeah. next superstar. Yeah, it's just like a two o'clock in the afternoon, you're just walking down for like a happy hour drink and there's, you know, four different bars and yeah. everybody's playing music. And I think that's what I love, just the culture of it is that everybody's so supportive of, of artists trying to make it there. Yeah, sure. Uh, did you enjoy the CMA Festival? I did. Um, we went to the big um, Nissan Stadium show and I got to see Dan and Shay, which are my favorite people in the whole world. Um, so I had chills when I saw them and then I saw your boy Kane Brown. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so we got to go to a couple of the shows and then work some artist signings and some of the smaller shows. Um, but yeah, honestly, I just love like, you know, some of the lesser known people that are just performing at other venues. So. Well, because and and honestly, I want to be clear on this podcast that Casey was being very sarcastic <laughs> about my boy Kane Brown because I have very strong him and Luke Bryan. Him and Luke Bryan. I had well, and a lot of the like, I guess. Um, the newer age of country music and i don't want to sound like the old man yelling in the cloud or whatever but um i, I am not a fan of this new era of country music and stuff like that so i'm with you mm -hmm. if i want to listen to country i want to listen to somebody who is of the old guard yeah um like garth brooks john denver yeah, yeah. right i want to well and also the other people i like i've always liked musicians anyways that are grinding you know they're not selling out arenas but they have that dream of eventually maybe doing so um but they're you know, I like a lot of the, like, I like Casey Musgraves. I think she's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I like the people that are, I like that are just, they're just doing it because they love playing the music that they play and not trying to do it because it sells that makes them more millions of dollars selling singles and stuff like that, which is basically Luke Bryan and Kane Brown in my mind. So, yeah. um, of course I like heavy metal, which is the exact opposite, the exact opposite. <laughs> they're not selling out arenas. You know, they're, you get into their shows for like 15 bucks, you know, and, and they're making, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars per show they play or whatever. So that's the stuff that I like. So that resonates with me, not the, the Luke Bryan. So the world doesn't. Yeah. I don't. I don't dig that. Um, talk about your experiences at Auburn, because mm -hmm. obviously you're a Wisconsin girl. Yep. What drew you to Auburn? Yeah, um, actually, funny story. I was originally going to be a marine biology major because I took marine bio sophomore through senior year of high school. <laughs> and so that kind of drew me to the coast. Um, but I had family that graduated from Auburn. So I was like, okay, they have a marine bio program. It's a family school. I'm going to go. This is great. Um, and then I got there and I got into research lab my freshman year. Um, and I was talking to some of like the grad and PhD students about like education and finding jobs. And they were like, yeah, you have to do 12 more years of school and you potentially <laughs> won't have a job. I was like, okay, not really super lucrative for me. Mm. I think I need to find something else. Right. 
So I took a couple of like career counseling classes and sessions and stuff like that and just decided to go um, like international business and econ because that was something that I was super interested in and um, yeah, graduated, um, man, four years ago at this point and then came right to LMU afterwards. So. Yeah, I, I think me and you might have talked about this, but I did not know that you wanted to be a marine biologist. Mm -hmm. I think I might have known that before because I wanted to do that too when I was a kid. Yeah. I want—I really wanted to be a marine biologist too because mm -hmm. I was fascinated by whales and sharks and. Yeah, I like the turtles and like seahorses. Right, like more that side of it. But yeah, yeah, and the coral reefs and stuff. Yep. But yeah, but yeah, that was kind of a realization that came to me too. Like, there's not going to be money in this. I might be fulfilled in some way, but. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be living out of a trailer, you know, so. Yeah, I was also excited about it because I took a trip to Belize my junior year for mm -hmm. a marine biology spring break trip. Um, and we were out in the field, like actually studying coral reefs and like taking inventory of fish and like all this stuff and taking pictures um, and like doing actual lab research out in the field. Mm -hmm. And in talking to um, the people in the Auburn lab my freshman year, they were like, yeah, you're gonna have to be stuck on the back end doing lab work for 30 years. I was like, okay, so 12 years of school, potentially won't have a job my first job will be in the lab for 30 years and then eventually i'll get to go work in the field and yeah, like live like on a beach 55 no, and you're <laughs> you're 55 and yeah. then you've already wasted you know like the prime of your life in mm -hmm. a lab i mean i think the i think the research they're doing is obviously pivotal i am i i i consider myself an environmentalist and all those things but so that work is pivotal but that kind of sucks you know yeah to look at that like you're in your first year of college and saying i might have to do this for I might not get to do what I really want to do for another 40 years. Yeah. I mean. Not really a gamble I was willing to take. So no. Switched to business, and then I got involved in the athletic department, so that's what brought me to LMU because I had an interest in athletics. I um, played water polo, helped out with the water polo team in Auburn, um, just the club team, played intramural softball, and so I was like, I have a passion for athletics, so let's figure out a job that can get me there. So then I took this graduate assistantship, um, and it's been it's been great. And you still, I assume, want to work in athletics. Yes, right? eventually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's still eventually the plan is to continue in athletics. Um, you're you're so you're a little bit of a world traveler then, right? I didn't know you had been to Belize, but I knew you had mm -hmm. been to Italy for a while. Yep, I've been to sixteen different countries. Sixteen countries, yeah. name them. Oh man, I don't know if I can. Um, Belize, Mexico, uh, Puerto Rico. I mean, I guess that still counts. As well, it's a country. kind of a state of the United States. It is. Yeah, um, and then I've been to a bunch of European countries. I mean, I studied abroad um, fall of my senior year, um, and pretty much every weekend we had a four-day weekend, so we were in a different country. So you know, we lived right outside of Rome, so it was a fifteen-dollar plane ride, you know, to and from Paris because it's super cheap to to travel over there. So I've been to like Paris and Amsterdam and London and Dublin and um, Prague, forgetting all the different places. And technically, Vatican City is its own country, so I that also counts. count that as it Italy. Counts. So, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's very – so what was your favorite? Was Italy your favorite? Um, I loved Italy. I love, like, the small towns in Italy. Um, honestly – Like the mountain towns? Yes. Yeah. Um, this sounds very um, – like snooty but I really just got sick of Rome like I mean there's so much history there but when you travel to and from and like you're there right. like two out of the seven days of the week like you get tired of seeing all the same sites yeah um so I love just like the small Italian towns um Amsterdam was awesome too because my family's from like a small town 20 minutes north of Amsterdam so it was really? nice like you know going and seeing like kind of where my family's from you got um, the Dutch ancestry huh yes yep um honestly I hated London I hated Dublin um they were very I think a lot of that has to do with like my prejudice going into it. I, I was like, these are all these cool like foreign cities, but then you get there and they're very westernized. They're very modern. Not a lot of culture, not a lot of like history unless you go out of your way to like go seek out yeah. things. Um, so honestly, I loved kind of like 
the more off the beaten path destinations like Amsterdam or Prague or um Prague seems very interesting yeah Prague was cool um lots of really cool architecture um so yeah See, that's, uh, you, I don't know, maybe this could be your experiences. I have not, I have actually only been to Canada. I've never hmm. traveled out of the country. Um, I, well, I have, but just barely. Across the border into Toronto and stuff. But in my experiences, most places in the world are all, like, kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, so you had, and not, now there's, there are places, I think it's, honestly, it's probably our own fault, right? Because we have these massive expectations, like you Absolutely. said. You went to Dublin and you went to London and you were like, this is going to be great. And then you get there and you're like, a little disappointed, right? Yeah. So I think all the popular destinations, you know, everybody kind of hypes it up yeah. because they know people who have been there or it's highly talked about. So honestly, like advice to anyone traveling, and I tell people this all the time, is like go to the off the beaten path destinations. Like if you're going to go to London for seven days, like take a day trip, like go to Bath, go to Cambridge, like go out of the city and do something else. Like I even did that when I was in Nashville this past summer. Like we went to Cookville. Um, Mm -hmm. We just took a day trip and like went hiking and it was one of the coolest days that I've ever had when I was in Nashville. So yeah, I I think that so like really the the larger thing is just make the trip your own. Don't make it some cookie cutter what the Fodor's travel guides are saying, like make it your own. Mm because uh, I had that same experience in San Francisco like I was so excited to go to San Francisco and San Francisco was great let me just be clear but I was also like a little disappointed yeah you know like there's a million people that live there and well a trillion people that live there and and it's the traffic's awful everything costs triple what it costs here yeah so there's like part of you that says okay the weather's great it's a cool city but what else is there to do? I'm not going to live here. Yeah. I would never want to live here. So, um, I, yeah, so I think that's kind of like what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. You've, you've been to 14 countries, but in some way, a, a lot of them kind of disappointed you. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely the bigger ones were disappointing. So I found, which I'm also not one of those people who's like, let's just lay on a beach. I mean, that's great. Like, beach You want to go fun. see it, right? Yeah, I want to go do stuff. Like, I want to do my own, mm-hmm. like, sightseeing tours. Like, I don't really want to pay for, like, a tour that a million other people have taken. So. Yeah. You want to make it your own, which is what I like about the national parks is there's an mm-hmm. opportunity to make it your own trip when Absolutely. you go and see the national parks and stuff like that. So let's talk about uh, what's next. Obviously, I know you're still trying to figure out what's yeah. next, but kind of what, what what's what's going on for you right now? Yeah, I have one job offer on the table. It's for a recruiting firm in Nashville, which actually the girl I'll be working with, she used to play volleyball here. So it's like a weird little like LMU connection. Um, but it's a corporate recruiting job, um, which I'm actually excited about because they're kind of a small firm. Um, so it's an opportunity to grow, like grow into a leadership position. Um, also a great way to like network with people in the mm-hmm. industry. Um, so I think I'm going to accept that for now. Um, I think it'll be good, you know, be back in Nashville. So I sure. already have some apartment tours set up. Um, my last day is uh, nine days away next Thursday. So um, I'll be moving out uh, that weekend, uh, job hunting, then hopefully moving in that next weekend. So Well, that is super fortunate because job offer jo- jobs in Nashville are not that easy to come by because people want to live in Nashville. Absolutely. So that's that's obviously really good. Uh, and that's really, I mean, I, I claim Nashville, but I'm like 15 minutes outside of Nashville, but that's yeah. kind of my city, so I'm jealous. Yeah, absolutely. I saw a stat that it's like 80 people move to Nashville every single day. So yeah. it's definitely, it was definitely tough to find a job down there. Well, good for you, though. That's that's awesome. Um, and, and it's a great city, so you're going to enjoy that, I think. You, you. you got to see it last mm-hmm. summer, though. So yeah. You already kind of talked about what you really like about Nashville. Are you yeah. going to start supporting the Nashville teams? Um, the Sounds, maybe. I'm actually looking at an apartment complex that's like just a walk to the Sound Stadium, and that was one of the things I was really bummed about is that I had never got to go to a Sounds game last summer. So definitely probably will. Um, honestly, I have no 
allegiance to any hockey team as you is will. so i will. will be a predators fan um i don't think i can support I know, the titans though i'm real yeah. sorry i'm a packers girl I but that. that's fine <laughs> they're different they're different conferences though yeah i suppose i mean i'm not saying i'm never going to go to a game i you're just not going to see me in titans gear i, don't I, I never <laughs> i never expected that i wasn't even hoping for that but i do think that you'll get sucked into the predators because the predators it's you'll have a lot of fun have you been to one of their games yet? i have not i'm excited to go it'll suck you in immediately i took um my best friend had no interest in hockey at all yeah and i basically said hey come into town let's go to a predators game and he did and now he's a predators fan and follows the team and stuff it'll so you'll you'll see why people it's the best live sport there is yeah have you been to an nhl game period i haven't no i've this never is, been to hockey <laughs> it's gonna blow your mind it's the best live sport there is so good for you nashville the music city uh, maybe you'll see some aspiring country music stars and be Hopefully. like, and then you can be like that person that's like, I saw them at uh, Tootsie's before they were even mm-hmm. in a thing. Yep. You know, you can be that person. Hopefully. Yeah. So that's awesome. Nine days left. How are you like emotional about it at all? Or um, and you can be honest, be totally honest. Are you yeah. emotional about it at all? I'm not sure it's really hit me yet. Um, you know, I'm still kind of go, go, go. I have a bunch of different reports that I'm wrapping up for CAM, like community service and student ward system. And we have student ward system pickups. Some of my interns are still on campus. Um, I think it'll hit me next week and I'll be emotional. Yeah. Um, the job has been a lot. It's been very rewarding. I've gotten a lot of different experiences, um, but I'm going to miss the people the most. Yeah. Um, you know, our admin staff has gotten really close over the last few years. You know, we've unfortunately lost a couple of people to other positions. Um, but honestly, you guys have made it worth it for me. So I think it's going to be really hard to, to say goodbye to everybody. Um, the relationships here are, um, they're great. That mm-hmm. is the be- that is the best thing about LMU, I think. And just our coaching staff is great, too. Absolutely. Everybody we work with. So we'll miss you. We're going to, what, Thursday, right? Yep, next Thursday, my yeah. last day. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be hosting softball regionals, so I'll be working the whole day, and then I'll move out the next day. So. Yeah, I think we will be hosting softball regionals, but I don't want to jinx it and talk about it any further on this podcast. So I'm, I'm hoping that we did enough in the SAC tournament to yeah. kind of solidify that. Before we um, – kind of wrap this up we got to talk about a bond that we share over game of thrones yes okay (laughs) and there's really been no better time to talk about game of thrones than right now Mm -hmm. the battle of winterfell just went down on sunday just give me your general thoughts now i know you were at baseball on sunday so did you get to watch on sunday or did you? i did actually because so i left um i did not get to watch it right at nine o'clock so i actually showed some of the the this shows my commitment level to game of thrones i knew that i wasn't gonna be able to watch it at nine and I know that there are people that tweet while they're watching the show, mm-hmm. which is insane to me. Yeah. But uh, I don't even have my phone in the same room as me when I'm watching Game of Thrones. Right. So um, I didn't get home until 10.15 that night, and I watched it then. But mm-hmm. I did not look at my phone, did not even look at my phone from 8.45 until I finished the episode. Yep. So I had no spoilers, and I did get to watch it on Sunday night. I was actually texting Lauren during the episode, and I uh, something happened at the end of the episode, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I almost texted Scott. And I was like, but he can't watch it. And so she was like, yeah, good job you didn't text him, but he probably doesn't have his phone on in a minute. I, so. I honestly didn't. I was going to send out disclaimers, but I got a couple friends that are like, would have had fun at my expense knowing that yes. I didn't watch it. So yeah. I just said, I'm not even going to text anybody and let them know that I can't watch it. Um, it's actually funny because I play the Game of Thrones phone game. This is super nerdy of me. You do, um, yeah. But they, I have a weird like opinion on it that I think if you are enough of a fan that you play the game that you should be able to talk about the episode right then. But they have like a two-day waiting period until they talk about all the episodes on the show. So we're like just now talking about it. Um, but I love the episode, honestly. Like I was going in 
very upset that people like Brienne and like Grey Worm, like they were all gonna die. And um, unpopular opinion, but like I don't even think like major characters died. I mean, obviously you saw like Theon go and um, Jorah and um, Lyanna and like all those people, but like you didn't lose the Brienne's, you didn't lose the Tyrions, you, you didn't, didn't lose any people that are crucial to the story. Right. Right. So I was happy about it. Um, I think the dragon scenes were great. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just incredible. Like, especially the one when they were, like, fighting in the clouds. Like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the feel-good moment of it all was Arya, which I actually called it 10 minutes before it happened. Really? Yeah, because I was... Um, well, they kind of set it up with the red woman in that room, you know? And Absolutely. And you even saw it, like, throughout the episode because, um, like, Jorah disappeared off screen and then appeared, like, 15 minutes later to save Danny. Um, and then it happened with... Um, Oh, shoot. Who's the guy that saved Arya? Uh, the oh, Hound. Beric. Well, Sir Beric was yeah. the one who sacrificed himself, essentially, to yeah. let her... Beric and the Hound. They the disappeared hound off camera and then came back 15 minutes later and um, saved Arya. And so I was like, okay, Arya's disappeared. She's going to come back. And then, you know, knifed to the, the side of the, the Night King the, and killed him. I thought that what I told you before we started recording was... Um, I just thought I had some minor issues, like just minor stuff that doesn't change the way I view the show as a whole with some of the plot storyline devices. But as a whole, it was, the episode was just a marvel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it's incredible what they're able to do. And they made so many of these other storylines pay off. Yeah. You know, the Theon storyline, he goes, he kind of re- redeemed himself. You know, when Bran says, you're a good man, mm-hmm. Theon, and then Theon, you know, he did as well as he could have fighting off that, those people. You know, he held him as long as he could. Obviously, he held him just as long enough, you know? Yeah. And then... Um, and he ran into death, like, face first. Like, he right. faced with death, and he just took it head on. Like, that was incredible. Ran right onto it. Um, you know, it made Jorah's storyline pay off. He went the only way that he possibly could have gone. Mm-hmm. You know, because I thought we... You know, when you're in the middle portion, you're like, man, you're wasting so much time on this Sir Jorah, who's clearly just in love with Danny, and yeah. and it made it pay off. He went the only way he could, saving her. Um, but now you worry about Tyrion because he's been kind of like the voice of reason to Danny, yeah. and so I think she Tyrion might get cro- caught in her like crosshairs moving moving forward. Now we'll see. Um, that's obviously something. But the biggest storyline that it obviously paid off was well, the two biggest storylines was the Red Woman, mm-hmm. who she makes her reappearance and and redeems herself as well. Um, and then Arya, everything yeah. that we saw her go through. The, the character has evolved more than any other character in this show. Um, and now I kind of have a theory that, is she the princess promised? I wonder, because I think in the books, the actual translation is the prince or the princess. So I think it could be, you know, either one. I think it's very obvious that a lot of people think it's Danny or John. But honestly, like, I'm kind of pulling for Arya. Right. And even with the Red Woman, when she was, like, um, her prophecy about, like, the brown eyes. Um, green eyes, blue eyes. Yeah. The green eyes, blue eyes. Yeah, so the only people that have green eyes that are left are Jamie and Cersei, which my theory is that Arya's going to kill Jamie and then wear his face to kill Cersei because then that fulfills the prophecy that, like, one of her brothers is going to kill her so i think that would be very rewarding with all that stuff but i've also bought into jamie now so i like I jamie i don't want him to I li- die <laughs> i like jamie and i have a again my best friend he he just has never forgiven jamie for what he did yeah. his transgressions early in the show and you know but i you kind of understand his transgressions you know he was defending his family and he said he would have done that again so i hope that jamie doesn't die but obviously there's going to be characters that die here as we come down the finish line but i think it's got to be jamie or um Tyrion because you remember how Bronn like Cersei paid Bronn off so you never know if he's going to turn on her or turn on them or what 
all that is going to go We just down don't with. know bronze motivations. We assume it's women and money. Yeah, <laughs> Cause and that's a kind castle. Of, <laughs> and a castle. Those kind of seem to be his motivation. But he also does seem like he has mixed loyalties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he necessarily cares about loyalty to Cersei or yeah. Quiborn or whatever his name is. The But they've already set the kind of stage for it doesn't have to be a man. You know, when they knight Brienne, Sir mm-hmm. Brienne. Oh, I almost cried. Beautiful moment. <laughs> that was the most... I think we had the two best back-to-back episodes in the history of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they kind of set the stage for, like, screw tradition, you know? Yeah. Like, the Prince's Promise might be Arya, because now Arya is kind of the hero of the show now. Mm-hmm. And if she kills Cersei, then she certainly is the hero of the show. Absolutely. So I just don't I'm, – I'm, my most interesting aspect of it now is, like, where does the show go now? Mm-hmm. Because everything has been – tilting towards this battle with the dead right right the whole show is essentially hinged on that to say like who cares who's sitting on the throne mm-hmm. now that that battle we assume is done so where does the show go now uh hopefully to king's landing um i really hate euron and i really don't like cersei either so i hope both of them go down in flames but um it'll be interesting i think i'm very excited for the celebration episode that's going to come um but i think a lot of the tensions are also going to bubble up you know um danny and john never really got to talk about his lineage so i think that's definitely going to come up danny and sansa obviously have some massive yeah tension yeah so i think it'll be good um i'm very sad that liana um is gone as well did you know that she was only supposed to be a one scene character yeah but then i I think that there was um they the the showrunners obviously were like okay she's awesome people love her you know she was kind of um i I, I listened to a podcast and somebody pointed out which is a good point she was kind of cartoonish in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways like you've got this young girl who's a lord of the what was she a mormont she was or something yeah yeah, yes and and so she was a little cartoonish but Mm -hmm. i thought she was great and she goes out a hero killing the that giant yeah um but yeah so Shout out to Lady Mormont. She was great. Absolutely. And now all of House Mormont's gone, which is sad. Yeah. Jorah and uh, and Lyanna. And his dad. And his dad died. At the Night's Watch. He died at the Night. Yeah. Uh, over at the Night's Watch. He died when they went across the wall, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Betrayed by his own men. I know. Unbelievable. Yeah. But I'm really excited to see kind of where the show goes now because now that the, the battle with the dead isn't hanging over the whole show. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, honestly, I just hope people take the time that are Game of Thrones watchers to understand, like, we're just never going to see anything like this again. We're never going to see a show like this because now we're in this era of streaming where shows are all released at once. And, and so you're, you're not having the same conversation. But with Game of Thrones, it's still a week-to-week thing where we are able to have these conversations and, and talk about it and then everybody's watching together and then everybody goes and has that conversation again yeah and then i think depending on how it ends i mean i told you this like if i like the ending i will go back and rewatch everything if i don't then i'm not going to so i think it'll be a continuous a couple more months as everybody watches through it again see i'm of the opinion though that you should just go back and watch it again anyways yeah i suppose so because i know some of the storylines and um you know i won't be quite as upset with joffrey because i know he's going to die eventually but yeah, you just kind of know, and you get to rewatch it, and and then that's when you get to watch and say like, "Oh my God, the storytelling in this was just incredible!" Like the foresight to mm-hmm. show where this was going, and you'll just you'll just be able to watch these scenes through a different lens, no matter if because at this point I don't think they're going to screw it up. Yeah, I just don't like I don't think they screwed up the battle with the dead. Besides the lighting, the lighting in the episode. 
See, I didn't but, have a problem with that, but I also watch it with all of my lights off in my room, so it's just, like, my computer screen or my TV. Like, I can understand people who are having, like, major parties with all the lights on and, like, eating and stuff like that, but I didn't have a problem with it. I want to also say that if you're having major watch parties at Game of Thrones, we do not agree. <laughs> we do not see yes. anything out of eye. Although, I did appreciate Chris and Belle. She tweeted that they were having a Game of Thrones watch party, but everybody dressed in black for everybody's funeral. And I was like, I can I can chip that. Well, if, if you, everybody's on the same page, like, hey, we're going to be silent mm -hmm. watching this and we'll talk about it afterwards great yeah i'm not sitting there and going to be having conversation while it's happening right i hate those movie talkers um so <laughs> i'm not doing that so but honestly i, I, I mean i know we got some prequels and other divisions of the story that are going to happen afterwards and hopefully i, I know that why uh, weiss and benioff aren't going to be involved in those mm -hmm. um but hopefully we get kind of more of this to keep talking about this and it enhances the storyline but i just don't think that we're ever going to be gifted a show like this again Absolutely. where it is literally everybody mostly everybody is involved in the conversation mm -hmm. it blows my mind that people don't watch this show i know well i was one of those people and then i started I watching too. the first season and i was like all right let's watch all of it well is this the first season you watched live no, last season. No, this one. This is this the, last is the first season you watched as yeah. it's happened. But honestly, I'm very happy about it because um, my boyfriend he watched it and then he had to wait. He watched through like season four and then he had to wait like a year for another one and then I a year that. for another one. I'm like, okay, I've only had to wait a couple months for the last one and for for it to all wrap up. I just think that it's it because I caught up at the start of season four, so that was when I first started watching it, like as it was happening. Because mm -hmm. I so I so I binge watched the first three seasons. And I do. I just. I just really cherish the, the chances. Like when you see somebody and you walk into the office and they're like, "Did you see Game of Thrones?" Like yeah. that just doesn't happen. Like you know, that doesn't happen with these Netflix shows. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen with like you know, because like now I'm catching up on Brooklyn Nine Nine on Hulu. Like I don't get to have conversations with people about right. what happened on Brooklyn Nine Nine. And but this is like the popular thing. Like everybody who watches it wants to talk about it. Yeah, and then you got those holdovers that kind of look at you like, "No, I don't watch Game of Thrones." Which yeah. is, and they're like proud of not watching the greatest show of our generation. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm really interested now to see where it goes. I think that I will say this. Cersei is a much more interesting villain than the Night King. I agree. So I don't like Euron. I hope that Euron meets some grisly end. But there'll be like a part of me that's kind of sad when Cersei dies. Yeah, I think so. Just because she's so interesting and her motivations are so interesting. Yeah. I think she's also different because I think I grew up a lot with, like, it's always the bad guy. It's not, like, the bad girl. So I think it's different that that's, you know, a different angle that they took on it. Um, but also she has so many different connections to, like, Sansa and Tyrion. and All of them. Yeah, everybody all of loved. them. Yeah, everybody that you love. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it'll be interesting. But I'm very much looking forward to her dying. I'm also not counting her out. Yeah. Let's be real. Like, you can't count her out. She's a survivor. If you've made it to this point in the show, she took herself out of the battle for the dead, which is, and she's a survivor. Mm -hmm. This is such a female empowerment show, by the way. Absolutely. I mean, the most powerful people in this show are women. Yeah. Arya, Sansa. Arya, Sansa, Cersei, Danny, Even Lady Olena um, of High Point when she was still, which actually I have a theory that she's not dead because you didn't see her die on screen, which you can never count those out i mean you think that ghost is dead after this episode but then he shows up in he's like in a, teaser. a yeah. snippet of the next trailer so yeah thank god he's not dead i'd rather one of the dragons go than him yeah yep that's but definitely bad opinion but it's a, definitely a female empowerment show so i'm not counting cersei out i think that she will die mm -hmm. but i'm not counting her out i also think another dragon's gonna die unfortunately because you know how in the the beginning clips when they're going through um 
all the different places that are coming up in the episode, they always go to the dungeon, the dungeon with like the um, dragon, like well, catapult thing. Yeah. So I think one of them, unfortunately, is going to die as well. There's, there's no way. There's no way that one of them doesn't die. I'm with you there. Yeah. Cersei's too smart. She's. So you got to appreciate her. I mean, I also like, uh, like I was sad when I wasn't sad when Ramsay died. Like he had to no, go. He was not. like cartoonishly <laughs> evil and. Also, the one real misstep in the show was when they showed Sansa getting abused by or sexually or raped by him. Absolutely. That was a real misstep. But other than that, every villain they've had, I've been like kind of sad when they've gone because you don't know who's going to fill that void. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we don't have to worry about filling a void. Yeah. She can just go. <laughs> Absolutely. Because obviously it seems like we're going to get the heroic ending of this show to some degree. I hope so because, you know, this show has torn you in so many different ways and, you know, so many different emotions that it would be nice if it ended on a high note. I still think it's going to end with, like, Sam closing the book that he wrote about all this and he's, like, reading it to his kid because he's still alive for some reason. So he's I the bard. He, I hope he ends with it. <laughs> that actually would be really cool and that would be – that would speak to kind of like the storyteller part of me that I like and – um Sam also was pretty much responsible for, like, five or six of his men getting killed because he was so <laughs> yeah. helpless on the battlefield. Absolutely. Like, I get it. You killed a White Walker, but go to the crypt, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, just suck up your pride. Swallow your pride and go to the crypt. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm really excited to see where it goes and obviously always excited to chat with you on Mondays or to now Tuesdays about this uh, that show. So Absolutely. And even when I'm gone, I will text you about the episode, the finale. Hopefully we'll both be able to watch it and we'll chit-chat about it over text. I... You just, if you, you know that if you text me, I haven't looked at my phone because I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Because I, I have real self-restraint when it comes to not getting Game of Thrones spoiled. Yeah. Um, so, Casey, thanks for joining us. I'm sorry it took so long to get you on the podcast. That's okay. But nine days before you leave, we'll get you on. I just made sure. I had to make sure we got you on at some point. My first podcast ever. And nine days before you leave. So, I'm honored. Thanks, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. So, thanks for joining us, and uh, and we'll keep chatting after this. Sounds good.